five, four, three, two, bam. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, the podcast YouTube show that talks about writing and the thrills and the challenges of writing and the mistakes along the way, hopefully to make your path and your journey a little smoother. And I know you're looking, you're saying, oh, my God, someone let Chris in by himself. Yeah, it's really not often that happens. But Alex Simmons is off doing Alex Simmons style adventures. And he asked me if, since he got called away, if I could go solo. And I'm thrilled to do that because I'm talking to one of my favorite people here today. So let's not wait around. Let's talk. Let's introduce Damon Manx. Hello, Damon. How are you, sir? I'm great, Chris. Hey. Thank you right. so much for that awesome introduction. I've barely begun because Damon is a owner of Last Walls Publications. He is an independent and traditionally published author. He is also one of the more inspiring stories of transformation that I have come across in my journey. There's a few of them. He's one of them. And I'm hoping we talk about that and talk about Damon's writing process and his productivity. And also, he's really great at finding the places to, to sell his books that were all year last year. I spent at least one day a week going, ha, how did I never think? How did I not know? How, did, how does Damon know this stuff? <laughs> what the hell? So hopefully we'll get a little into the magic of how local marketing and putting yourself out there, you can build almost Aerosmith style. Aerosmith built a little following in Boston and then in the state and then in a couple of states around that area. And whatever they would put out would sell like 75,000 copies and then stop because that was all their fans. <laughs> and it really, it took them a, a big push to hit the next thing. And Damon, seems it seems to me that you're... In one way, you're building that up, your fan base or your follower base or your reader base, almost one block at a time, because you go to a lot of local places and it's, again, it inspires me. But we're getting way ahead. Let's go to this, the secret origin, Damon Manx. <laughs> Damon, mm. you have been on a journey, <laughs> my brother. I've been around the block, as, as the old folks say. Yeah, and it, it's often been a challenging block. It's had its ups and downs, that's for sure. So if I remember correctly, you started way back before writing. You were a bass player. Yeah, yeah. And uh, taking it from the, the Aerosmith playbook, I was always a big fan of the grassroots movement. And I thought, if you're going to do anything or grow anything, naturally, that's going to start in your hometown right. and then hopefully grow into your home county and maybe your home state and then and go you've there. carried that with you i'm trying to that's what i'm <laughs> trying to do yeah it's so interesting that you and i see that very differently you're very i'm trying to and i'm seeing you as saying you're half the what was it 90 percent of the battle is showing up 90 percent, and or something like that and that's one of the things that I really learned from you last year and I hope to apply this year. So from bass and I guess you win some local, was it Jersey bands? Is that? Yeah. I, and I wouldn't even say that's like my origin story because there was like 
my origin story kind of started the day I saw Jaws. And from Jaws. there, I came home and I said, this thing needs a part two. And I came home and I don't know how old I was, nine or 10. I wrote a terrible screenplay where I was the star and my parents were in it and nice. all my friends were in it. Sure. And it was terrible. Terrible is great. That's a yeah. great place to start. And that's probably like the first thing I ever wrote. And then I was an awkward kid. Like I'm writing Jaws at 10 right. years old. I was not like the cool kid. I was right. not into sports. I wasn't that outgoing. I might've been a bit outgoing, but I was definitely nerdy and definitely awkward right. Right. and really insecure until like I picked up a guitar in high school and, and my fingers, they're very short and thick. <laughs> so it wasn't a lead that I was going to be doing. That's right. That's right. So I went to the bass, which was really good. The bass was good because four strings. Of, four nobody wanted six. to play it. You That's know? Right. I'm like, I could do this. And yeah. yeah. So I joined bands. I did the eighties, like new wave thing. And then sure. we did the hair thing. And then in the grunge thing, then like I got older and did like covers and wedding, but it was, I never got in the band to that plateau that I really wanted to get. Like yeah. I yeah. Never I, could achieve it. I got through being very proficient at playing up to three or four note bass lines. A lot of bands that played one gig or never got out of the rehearsal space. A lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, and you were talking about Jaws. After Rocky Three, I came home and wrote Rocky Four. I was a little older than you. Nice. And Busta Stallone was premiering Staying Alive. Remember the, the sequel? I got it in my head. Always a dangerous place, David. <laughs> we get these ideas that I would hand deliver. Mm. I said, you're never going to see him during the premiere. So I knew he was going to be at four spots. He was going to be at like a promo place or for interviews. And then he was going to be at the theater. And then he was going to be at, I think it was Studio 54 and some other place. So I wore working guy clothes, right? Like that. And uh, it, was, <laughs> it was most of my wardrobe. And uh, I got a clipboard and I wrote out a, a, a sign sheet, right? <laughs> and I had four envelopes. <laughs> and I went to the guy... Each per, you know, each one of the door, and I said, "Look, this is hey, I just have to deliver this. I need someone to sign for this." And they were like, "I don't know if I'm going to see this, Mr. Stallone." I said, "Look, someone's got to sign for it," and they would push me through, and That's all awesome. this, right? That's so so I got them all out, and <laughs> and then about two months later, I got an email. I got a, a letter, a printed letter on staying alive stationery. And says, thank you for your pitch. And we just want you to know that Mr. Stallone writes all his own Rocky scripts. So we won't be able to use your fine idea. <laughs> Still got a letter back. That's amazing. Though. That's Jeez. ridiculous. It was yeah. ridiculous. But let's go from the ridiculous more to um, your arc. From rock and roll to writer. There's yeah. some adventures in between. Yeah. Tell me what you want to tell me. Tell us what you want to tell us. The biggest point of my art, which and a lot of people know, I is that I was an addict for a lot of years. And because heroin addicts are really known for the great decision-making that they are so profound in doing, I, I wound up in the prison system as a result of that. And But a lot of it, people would go in there 
and it would just lead lower and lower. But this is where the inspiration that is used starts happening for me. You made other decisions. Yeah, you reach a point as an addict, and especially if your addiction spirals to the point of misery and destruction that mine did, which most addictions do, they're left to run their course. Sure. Especially opiate addiction. And mine ended me up in facing a hefty prison sentence. I, I was signed a sentence to be sentenced to 12 years. Wow. And ended up doing eight of that. That's um, still a lot of time. Oh my God. But there was, there was the point where, okay, this is the end of it. My life does not continue from here. More than just depression, utter despondency. Sure. And I had, I tell people I lost everything, but you know, as an addict, I, I gave it away. I sold yeah. it for sure. pennies on the dollar sure. and isolated myself from the people I love and really screwed a lot of people over. So I was at this point where hopelessness just does not really fully encapsulate the emotion that was gripping me during yeah. those first few days. And I ended up like really exacerbating my situation by my first couple of weeks in the county all county jail i ended up in the hole because i attempted to make hooch in the oh, kitchen boy. yeah yeah so i compounded my misery and just i dug that bottom so deep mm -hmm. uh, i was in, in the hole and the there was only one sheet of paper in that hole for me to read and it was a a pamphlet on recovery wow yeah and epiphany, spiritual sure. awakening, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. I wouldn't say spiritual awakening at that point, but certainly an epiphany that this is where um, it has to change. Moment of clarity. Moment of clarity. Yeah. Yeah. My rock bottom had gotten that low and, and so much of a desperate point. I decided to do everything about that to pursue so, recovery. While you were in the hole, did you request? Or once you got out, you requested? So from, from the hole, I asked for, there's forms you got to fill out if you want to get included in any of the programs that they okay. were doing in the county jail. And I signed up for everything, whether it was a spiritual-based program. I, right. I went to three different kinds of religious programs that they were doing ever it was went to catholic mass i went to the born again christian thing they were doing i signed up for the jewish put on that meal thing program but everything and then i signed up for naa and sure. another smart recovery program and i latched onto it i found guys who were coming in there who were bringing their message of how they found strength and recovery and i really latched on to what, what they were saying was there a, pro, a program in particular among that menu that really clicked for you for me i really latched on to the guys who were coming in from the aa program just because mm -hmm. they had so many years right clean, clean and sober you know right for me whether it's drinking or it's drugs or you're addicted to sex or whatever it is right, right. it's an addiction and you know, uh, once you lose control of your life yeah. And I, I, where, you know, I, I was rarely in control of anything. So. so you went through recovery inside? Yeah. So I asked one of the guys who brought in the word of hope 
into mm -hmm. the county jail and I asked him if he knew anybody who could maybe sponsor me and walk me through the steps. Right. A guy named Tom came in and we did it through the glass. We talked on the phone, like you see in the movies. And right. we worked the start of the steps to the best of my ability that I could do while I was in the program, which started me on a journey because from that county jail, I was transferring into the prison system. And for me, it became a walk the walk kind of thing to do it. So I pretty much lived my entire sentence in the prison system as a man in recovery, talking the word, trying to help other people find okay. it, going to every program that I could, latching on to education in the system. Uh, right. That's the, I, I want to go a little more to the recovery and then I want to talk about the education. Yeah. Did you, did Tom continue with you as your sponsor throughout or did you have one? Yeah. Did so you wind up in one prison. I, I did my time in one prison. Um, not that there wasn't steps along the way, sure, because sure. there are, there is a process of going to prison. You go right. from the county jail to getting sentenced to the, right. the intake facility. So I went to Northern State Prison, which is in Newark, New Jersey. And was, was Tom able to continue with you or did you have to go for another sponsor? So Tom continued with me as a we wrote letters back and forth. By that point, one of the guy who actually introduced me to Tom actually went to Northern State Prison too. So wow. I continued to see Carl as well. Okay. But it was like one hour every month or something. But by so, this point, guys were actually coming to me and right. asking me to mentor to, to in a, in as much of a way as a man mentors a man in the prison system. You know? Right. How, how was that experience for you? from hopelessness to helping someone else out how did that what was that experience for you that, it made it all bearable it made it all worth it and actually the day that i got sentenced i i knew what i had done i was admitting what i had done right, and right. the judge asked me he says i i you have signed for 12 years where you'll have to do 85 percent of that do you have anything to say and i got up and i just spilled it i'm like I know what I've done. I know I've got to do the time. I more than I am sorry that I have to do the time. I'm sorry for this time that it's taken away from my family because they're the ones who are going to suffer. And I'm sorry for the people that I hurt from the crime that I committed. And I, which I, I robbed a, a store. I, I grabbed $500 out of the cash register and got heroin. A, brain. A yeah. And got a decade for it. And, right. and I said, yeah, if I could take anything back, I, I certainly would take it all back. And right. since then, I've been working on me, my recovery and hopefully my my experience might help somebody. And he said, you know what? I've heard it all because I I know when somebody's full of it and uh, I know when they're not because I believe every word you say. And I'm going to sentence you to 10 years, not 12 with the 5%. You'll only have to do eight and a half, which was like. It was a huge blessing. Um, sure. So that was the start of it. Yeah. And right then, and I knew that. And he said, "What? Why? If while you are in prison, if you can help just one person, maybe this will all have been worth it." And uh, yeah, he's absolutely right because I think it's helped me to help others. Yeah. Now, know? while you were recovering and starting to help mentor to the degree that you could. You also 
uh, encountered a educational rebirth. Yeah. Talk about that if you can. Yeah. So there was a program going around being brought in by the county colleges in New Jersey, also mainly run by Rutgers University called the NJ STEP program. And it was essentially bringing college professors into the prison system and getting you started on the college system, which I, I had stopped at high school, which I barely got out of high school. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, let me do that. And I signed up and I took the placement test and I made it through and started taking the English comp 101. What English made comp you, two. after all this, what made you go towards that? I need it. There's three things you can do like to elevate in prison. You can generally, it's really two. You can either go spiritually hmm. or you can go with education. Okay. Um, a lot of guys go right to the, the physical and just work out, which all through mind, body, and spirit are all very important. But, sure, um, sure. That's an amazing way to look at that. I've never looked at that. Those three choices as what you have to offer or what the prison system has to offer you in a positive way. But you started mentioning English courses. Why English? Why not like engineering? What, what oh, well, do I, you? I took everything. Oh, um, you did take everything. I went as far as like calculus, as far as the math goes, really ate it up. It's, it, it was not easy. Sure. Um, the English that we're reading, we were reading Orwell and we're reading The Lottery. Right. And we're reading those great essays. Uh, what's the one? Oh, my mind is going to fleet. I, I'm forgetting. Olivia uh, Butler. Butler. Reading a lot of stuff from Butler. And mm -hmm. uh, such great stuff. And then while I'm doing that, I'm trying to find every book I can to read in the interim. Sure. And I'm reading the old Stephen King books that I never read. Right. And I'm rereading something wicked this way comes and sure, sure. and I come Red across Red. yeah and and it's such a perfect book mm -hmm. and I want to emulate that I want to write a book that captures the feeling of Halloween mm -hmm. in the first paragraph I want to do that and then I come across a book by Joe Hill called Twentieth Century Ghosts sure I have that book yeah and I'm like I've got to be a short story writer this is what I'm meant to do right. Uh -huh. I, so I start writing short stories while I'm in the prison system. That's great. And this takes me on a whole new journey. Yeah. Can you talk about that journey? Yeah, that pretty much was spawned by the 20th century ghost. And of course, by reading Bradbury. And uh, so there's one story in 20th century ghosts called Pop Art, mm -hmm. where the guy's talking about his friend as a child who was actually an inflatable toy. And this story is told so differently and it's so emotional and so heartbreaking. By the time you get to the end, I'm like, this is it. This is what I have to do. Yeah. I put pen to paper and I started writing some pretty choppy, rough stuff. I didn't really know the know anything and i'm working at a composition notebook so right. it's all handwritten um, i believe in letting it suck you got to get it yeah. out and then you can move from there yeah and i had this group of guys who were also in the in my classes who i would throw these things at them and 
They're looking at me with these blank faces. And then one day I, I wrote this story and I'm, and I just started, I'm like profound sorrow was all encompassing. Wow. I'm like, yeah, it sure is. And I, it was called Devlin's Mance. And it was actually like the first short story that I was like, this is pretty good. <laughs> and my but you buddy, have to get through those that aren't yeah. to get to the one that 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 moment it's a whole different moment of clarity where you're like wait there's something that's alive here mm. right yeah and then i just wanted to chase that i wanted to always capture that yeah. that feeling of creating an emotion so how many stories had you written by the time you got out uh, it's hard to say. I you just kept going. Just yeah, kept going. I just kept going. Yeah, I yeah, wrote yeah. A, a lot of the, a lot of them are published now. Can you tell us where? Yeah, all my stuff now is published through my own company called Last Worlds Publishing. Sure. And you would find most of, you would find all of my stuff on Amazon. Some of my things you find at Barnes and Noble mm -hmm. on the website and some on the shelf in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. If you happen to be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, you would yeah, find yeah, yeah. some. God uh, bless Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, man. Yeah, God yeah. bless them. I, so I want to talk about your titles and stuff like that, but yeah. we do have to share, you and I share a deep love for the source of your company's uh, name. Yes. Yeah, so let's just indulge in a minute of loving the last waltz. Yeah. So for those who know, and for those who don't know, you're about to know. The, the right. last waltz is the final performance of the That's band. Right. Yeah. 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 And the night they drove old Dixie down, take That's a load right. off Annie, yeah. Yeah, the, the weight. weight. Yeah. All these great Life songs. is a carnival. Yeah. It makes no difference. One of my all-time favorites. Mm. And they had so many guest stars, and it was uh, shot by and directed by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. One of the all-time great rock movies. So this past October, I was at Chiller Theater. I was a guest at Chiller sure, Theater. Sure. And I have my sign up, Last Waltz Publishing, and this girl comes over, and she looks really familiar. She's Last Waltz. Where did you get that? I go, I got it from the movie The Last Waltz. She's like, yeah, I know. I'm Catherine Scorsese. <gasps> I'm like, so I, I met Martin's daughter, Catherine. Wow. We got to talking. I gave her a copy of a couple of my books, and we exchanged numbers. And occasionally we text every now and then. But That's she's very like, cool. You, you caught me right there with The Last Waltz. I'm like, it's a great movie. Tell you that, I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did she appreciate that it was that inspired? She did love, she loved that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, she wasn't cool. like, hey, we're going to sue you. And she was in Chiller yeah. Theater, so yeah, uh, she definitely likes that style of movie. Yeah. yeah. All right, we have, we had just got notified we have 10 minutes left. Right on. So I want to talk about, I want to see where you are. I lost you for a minute. How are you, buddy? That's interesting. I see um, myself. There you go. I see you. I got you. I got you, bro. All right. So I want to talk about uh, anxiety and your other titles. Yeah. Let's talk about anxiety first. Yes. So that was largely anxiety comes from the catharsis, that whole period of being in the prison system. Those are the short stories that I wrote 
to get me through that. A lot of those stories are inspired by things that have actually happened to me throughout my life. The first story is called The Boy in the Center of the Road. When I was 10 years old, I was hit by a car and I was really badly injured. And that's how it kicks off. And people going into my anxiety thinking, hey, this is just a horror collection, you'd be sadly mistaken. It's a collection of life experiences. And some of them are straight up memoirs. Some are loosely interpreted from things that happened to me, right. turned into nightmares to be told fictionally. Sure. And a lot of those stories were all written while I was in the prison system. Yeah. Most of them. And um, it was a number one Amazon bestseller. Yes, it was. That, That's that very was cool, man. Very, very exciting to have that happen. And uh, yeah, we'll hope to do that again. Oh, oh yeah, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So so we have anxiety. What other Damon yeah. Yanks titles do we have out there? So my first book that came out was a book called Abigail, which seems right. to be my most reviewed book on Amazon, which is okay. a novelette, 50 pages long. That's great. Straight out of something from the Twilight Zone. Which mm -hmm. It's got a message. It really points a finger at... So Adrian Billard comes home one day to find something on his doorstep. Now, Adrian has been picked on his whole life. He's right. been marginalized because he's gay. And he, yeah, he's pretty much certain that he'll never be happy. And he comes home to find a baby on his front steps. And that baby has a forked tongue and violet eyes and wow. horns. But he doesn't see the differences he sees the baby as the most beautiful creature right. he's ever seen. So there's a focus on we're all the same on the inside and unconditional love. And it's not in your typical horror realm. And there's a twist in there that just comes out and is, is hit over the, everybody over the head. So, so Abigail and Anxiety, those are two yeah. good titles to get you started with the Damon Manx of it all yeah if you're interested there's other ones there's one called piece by piece mm -hmm. there's one called our cranium there's there an go. anthology i put together called these lingering shadows cool. that's all gothic horror with some great authors there's one called tales from the moniverse where every story takes place in a world without color wow very neat yeah very cool now where can people if they want to follow you or if they want to find out more information where can they do that can definitely go to both of my websites. So you've got the w.damonmanx.com. There you go. To see it as my name is spelled w.lastwaltz.com. Yeah. I'm also all over the social. So yeah. Damon Manx on Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, there's not a lot I of don't Damon do a lot Manxes, of Twitter. So if you get that, you'll find them. If you spell it, you're going to find me. That's yeah. right. And it's um, in the bottom corner of those of you who want to see. Instagram, okay. TikTok, you go to Amazon, you'll see a list of all my, all the books that I have, all the books that I've been involved with. Cool. Now we have about a minute left and hey. I'd love for you to offer some advice for those who are, for some of our audience started writing a little late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that was my thing. And yeah. I started writing late and I'm coming from a guy who probably thought not only was his aspirations of following his dream over but i was at the point where i thought my life was over and i was in my 40s when i started writing short stories yeah. it was 2020 when i got my first short story published 
Right. It's never too late. Right. If that's your dream, you owe it to yourself to chase it with every possible ounce of energy that you've got. And you deserve it. Because Absolutely. giving up on your dream is probably the most of a disservice that you can do to yourself. That's right. We're here to do what we do. So there you go. Damon, thank you for being here. Thank, thank you. for telling your damn story. Go out and check out some Damon Manx, ladies and gentlemen. You won't be sorry. It's real. It's got a soul. He's a good man, that Damon Manx. All right, sir. We will see each other further down the road. And, thank you, sir. Everybody, and we'll talk to you, and hopefully, we'll see Alex next week. All right.